Let me try that again. Let me begin by welcoming everyone who's here today. If you're visiting with us, we're especially grateful for you being here, and I hope you'll want to come back and be with us again in the future at every opportunity you can. Um, Good to be back up here with you this morning, but we heard two excellent lessons. I hope you were here and able to hear that uh, last Sunday. Two excellent lessons Doug and Everton uh, brought to us. This morning we're going to kind of veer away, in a sense, from our theme. Uh, I'm not going to make reference to it uh, per se, but something that's been weighing heavy on my mind And I'll talk more about that as I get into the lesson. Uh, I I just wanted to bring this particular lesson this morning. We're going to talk about respecting one another. And I'm going to use as a theme verse or a phrase out of a verse from Philippians chapter 2, the idea of esteem others better than yourself. James asked me if there was a song that he could lead uh, uh, in reference to this sermon I'm not sure that I would have chosen a better song at all than the one we just sang, which speaks of love that we have for one another, which speaks of feeling what others feel, which speaks of dear esteem. I hope you were really paying attention to those words as we sang that song, because in many respects, that's the idea that we're going to talk about this morning, respecting each other. I want to begin, I hope, (laughs) there we go. I want to begin with maybe a series of questions. There we go. And I'll just ask you, and you may have seen similar questions in the bulletin if you read that already this morning. Does it seem to you that people generally respect each other? Given, perhaps, if you you pay attention at all to the news, and you don't even really have to be doing that these days as much as just listening what seems to be on the lips and in the hearts of Almost everyone. Um, We go out to a restaurant. We hear people talking about it. We go to a store. Somebody's talking about it. And I'm talking about all the things that are going on in the world. Um, We'll get into more of some of the things that are happening. But does it just in general seem to you that people respect each other? Whether we're talking about simple courtesy. You know, the kind of things that we're taught as a child, whether it's not to cut in line or let someone else go first or opening a door for someone or just simple matters of courtesy. Whether it's that or far more serious things, does it seem like people, generally speaking, respect each other? Now, it may from your viewpoint or it may not. I'm just asking you in your corner of the world, how does that seem to you? Does it seem to you, in fact, This is where I would be coming from, and I think a lot of you are. Does it seem to you, in fact, that people are getting increasingly ruder? That while rudeness has always been the part of some people, the actions of some people, but I'm talking about just in general, does it seem like people are getting increasingly ruder? Does it seem to you that people are getting increasingly violent? There's always been violence in the world, and there will be till time ends, but just... In a general, from a general perspective. doesn't seem to you that people are getting more self-centered. They care more about themselves than they do other people. And while that, to a degree, again, might always be the case in every time, I mean just in general, that people are self-centered. Does it seem to you in some respects that people in general are just getting downright mean? 
As you continue to think about this idea, do we even see the ill treatment or maltreatment even of other people being glorified? That is that while some of the most horrible, despicable things that happen, have happened in the past, will happen in the future, while that's the case, does it seem like those things are happening and more and more people are jaded to it and even glorifying it? That the scenes we see, the reactions we see out of people is one of glorification of some of the rudeness even up to some of the horrible violence. Has principles like this, have principles like this, do unto others, love your neighbor as yourself, put others first, let your speech be with grace, have those kinds of things been sacrificed or replaced by self-fulfillment? That is, what I want, what I need, what I've got to have in my life. Self-fulfillment. Me first. You know, the idea that I'm going to be before anybody else around me. I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to demand that you put me first. I will be first. I'll have my say at all costs. doesn't matter what it does to someone else to have that say. It doesn't matter how it hurts, how it's detrimental to everybody around us. I'm going to have my say. Does it seem like that? Been, has given way to some of the better principles that we know from Scripture. Well, all of that's not who we are. We're Christians. And if we back up to the previous point, the do unto others as you, the golden rule, we believe in that. The idea of loving your neighbor as you love yourself, we stand for that. The idea of putting other people first, yes, Putting other people before me is a basic principle of Scripture. The idea of let my speech be seasoned with grace, that is, with favor. That what comes out of my lips is favorable, full of favor for other people. That is something God demands. That's who we are. And all of this other is not who we are. The world needs the Lord. And it needs what the Lord teaches us to be. And the Lord teaches us to be this, these principles that maybe are being sacrificed. Let me go a little further. Christianity is a religion of respect. And at the core, at the heart of it, and I know there are a number of people in this room that have studied other religions. If you notice... Something that is common to most, if not all, other religions is that other religions emphasize the individual. But Christianity doesn't. It emphasizes the other. It's a religion of respect. It's a religion of sacrifice, of giving for the good of others. It highly praises sacrifice. It talks about the idea of respecting other people and the value of others. It's a religion of respect. Its principles command respect for all others, and its author demands it out of those who would adhere to it. As we talk about Christianity, 
We acknowledge the lack of respect is an increasingly perpetual problem in a society where the majority of people no longer believe in Jesus Christ. And it just is directly proportional. If you look at a society, if you look at America, at a time when more people, if not most people, at least believed in Christ, believed in the principles of this Bible, if you walk down the street or you read the correspondence or just in general read the things that were written during that time, there was far more respect for other people. But not so now. Because we are a society in the midst of a world where the vast majority of people no longer believe in Jesus. In fact, deny Him and deny His principles. Something Paul said, and I want to look at a couple of passages that are interesting to me. In Romans chapter 1, and this is in that long list of sins. You know, it's one of those so-called catalogs of sins. But down in verse 30 of Romans 1, interestingly, Paul talked about backbiters and haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Now, if you notice in verse 30 here, he talks about the despiteful. The word is the insolent. Or if you notice what I put up here, literally the insulting. Now, you might want to hold your finger there and turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, because it is interesting to me that in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 13, for only the second time the, the word is used in the New Testament, in other words, it's only used here and in Romans 1, Paul uses this term to describe himself. So when he talked about a world with all of these sins, and he talked about people that were just insulting, the only other time he mentions that is when he says of himself, and if you look at verse 13, he says, I was before a blasphemer, just speaking against other people, and a persecutor, and injurious, hurting other people. But you know, the word injurious here is I was an insulter. I was despiteful is the idea. He knew what he was talking about. Jesus does not teach us to be that kind of person. In fact, let's read our passage in Philippians 2. We are taught as Christians, and Paul himself wrote this, we are taught as Christians in Philippians 2 and verses 3 and 4, and I want us to read this carefully. I'll read it from the King James, but I'll talk about these verses throughout the lesson. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now notice that. My motivation for anything I do is not to contend with other people, and it is not to put my, it's not the arrogance of me being first and my rights and all of that kind of thing. Nothing being done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. There's our humility. Let each esteem other better than themselves. And that's why I put that as the theme verse. We're going to talk about that idea of esteeming other better than themselves. Let's go a little further here. Let each esteem others better than himself. Philippians 2 verse 3. Others are to be esteemed. And the word literally means they are to be deemed. That is thought of in the mind or counted we would say. I count someone else as more important than myself. Now I want you to stop for a moment. We're not just going to read that. This morning we're going to think about that. 
When I walk down the street and I see other people, regardless of their color, the color of their skin, regardless of the job they may be in, whether they're picking up my garbage on Wednesday morning or they're working in some shop or whatever it might be, regardless of who a person is or what they are or how they're dressed or even what they're doing, do I first, in the front of my mind, think this person is more important than me? Now, boy, does that cut. Because i got to tell you, without reminding myself, that's hard for me. More important than myself. Not considering mine. You'll notice what it goes on to say here in verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, the King James says, but every man also on the things of others. Now that's a difficult passage to translate. Those of you that are familiar with the original language or you want to go and look, Wes gave you some things to look it up in the original. It's a difficult verse to put into English. The original language is very clear on what it means, but it's difficult to put it into English. But the best way that I think you can put it so that you get the idea that's there is to use the word mind, not things. Because when we think of things, I think of my car and my, you know, whatever. But it's mine. And we use phrases, you know, we talk about what's mine. But more than that, we talk about I'm going to get mine. I'll have mine. We talk about that kind of idea and we understand what we encompasses everything about me. It encompasses not only my things, but my position, my place, what I have, where I am in this world, my importance in this world. And that's what Paul is talking about. And if you'll notice what he says, don't look at that first. Don't look at yours first. Look at the other guys. And when I begin to think about feelings and position and rights and all of that kind of thing, if you will, Paul is saying Christ would have you put that other person's first. Jesus, as the passage goes on to say, if you look down in verse 6, Jesus and seven, Jesus emptied himself of his. That is everything he had. What was, you know, Jesus, if you can imagine this, if he was sitting in heaven and we were talking about, I mean, we were in that conversation or witness to it, and God was contemplating the creation of the world and human beings and their sins and what they'd have to have and what they needed and all of that, and it looked, it fell to Jesus to, you go down there and you go through this. Like a lamb, you be slaughtered for their sins, like Greg just read for us. If Jesus had been like many people, maybe like most of us, he would have said, No, I'm going to have mine, Jack. I'm going to get mine. Mine's what's important. But he emptied himself. And he put us first. And because he put us first, even with all the despicable things I've done in my life, I can go to heaven. And I couldn't go to heaven if Jesus was intent on having his. But he emptied himself. 
and he took upon himself the form of a servant. In Romans chapter 12, and I'd like for you to turn over there and read this with me. I'm not going to spend a long time on any passage other than Philippians 2, but I do want to read some phrases out of the New Testament. In Romans 12 and verse 10, this is where Paul piles up all the words for love. And you can go and check that. But the idea that King James says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, and this is the part I want to look at, in honor, preferring one another. It's the idea of giving preferential treatment. And most people in this world want preferential treatment. They want to be preferred. They want treatment giving to them that prefers them. They want to talk about you know, themselves and maybe a, a few others, whether it be their family or their friends or their neighbors or the neighborhood or whatever it might be, their ethnic group. They want preferential treatment. And yet what God is saying to the Christian is you give preferential treatment to the other guy. That's completely opposite. Totally turned around from demanding it from the other guy. Look with me again at Romans chapter 12, if you're here, and verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Now this is very much reflected in that beautiful song that James just led for us. Be of the same mind one toward another. But notice this, mind not high things, but the phrase condescend to men of low estate. Now the King James word condescend really does hit at the idea, because to condescend means to get yourself, put yourself down. If I were up here in this pulpit and there were a guy down there, we would talk about getting down on his level or putting yourself down there where he is. And that's exactly the idea. Not just physically doing it, but mentally doing it. Notice the idea. <clears throat> to humbly prostrate yourself would be the way one lexicographer uh, translates it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the idea of mentally prostrating yourself, bowing down in your mind, you bow down to the other person. Notice again Romans 12, verse 16. Be of the same mind. Get on an equal level toward each other. Don't mind high things. For I put myself up here. But that's against the philosophy of the world, isn't it? The philosophy of the world is to lift yourself up. To be higher, be better, be stronger, be faster, be more beautiful, be this, be that. And while I don't take away from the ambition of being better yourself, making yourself better for yourself, I understand that. And so God would teach that. But not making yourself better by stepping on the other guy. That's not how you get a leg up. In fact, how you get a leg up, as the Lord would teach us, is you go down there where He is and you help Him, both of you come up. Condescend a man of low estate. Go back to Philippians 2, and I'm going to stay in and out of that passage. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus did. I don't know about you. I'll re regress for a moment here. But I, I can't tell you. I don't even know how to describe to you the effect of the last few days, weeks, months, couple of years, few years. With all the 
the killings, the terrorism, the, the, the unbelievable things that are happening around us. I'm tired of it. I'm sickened by it. I'm to a point where, I mean, literally, I hesitate to turn on the news. If someone, if the words come out of somebody's mouth, did you hear so and so? I don't want to hear it. I think about all of this going on. And it makes me take a step back. And it makes me begin to think of what's happened and why has it happened. And I wonder if what's happened more than anything else, to go all the way back to the root of it, that what's happened more than anything else is that none of us, none of us are practicing what Jesus really wants. That if the righteous, forget the unrighteous for a moment, those who deny Jesus Christ, those who are in living in denial of the principles of Christianity, they are not going to change. And unless something changes their heart, their actions will never change. Forget that for a moment. What of me? What am I doing to change How am I living differently? How am I showing on a daily basis to the common average guy out there, how am I showing him the respect that Jesus would give him so to attract him to my light in this world? I have to remind myself when I'm watching a report on the news of some terrorist that's driven through a crowd of people and killed 80-something of them. And I begin to hate his guts. And everyone like him. And I have to remind myself and say to myself, wait a minute. Jesus looked at those same people and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I have to say that if I'm going to change anything, I'm going to have to esteem others, even them, better than myself. That this is not an election year, it is not a country, it is not a worldwide war about beating the other guy. It is about the principles of Christ being copied and practiced and shown to a world in darkness. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Paul taught the Corinthians, and I'm going to go through this part very quickly, but Paul taught the Corinthians to respect each other. You will certainly recognize 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Love does not act unbecomingly. I'm driving down the street, and someone who insists on being first screams around me and nearly hits my car, you know, because he's got to be first. And I get mad, and so I race ahead, and I get in front of him the same way. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek the things of its own. I'm going to have mine. I'll have mine. All the fights, all the arguments, all the things that people scream at the top of their lungs at each other, and what it is saying is, I'm going to have mine. I'll get mine at all costs. Love does not seek the things of its own. It's not easily provoked. Love 
does not react instantly, harshly, because it's been wronged. We go back to our master, and our master took all of that. No, I'm not the son of God, but I'm supposed to be following in his steps. And he took all of that, and he still loved those people. Now, there's a lesson there for me. Love does not keep account of wrongs. If in my mind, if I can take you back and I can say six years ago, this person did that. What does that say? And if I've got a catalog, a record in my head of everybody who's ever done anything wrong to me, what is that saying? Sure, I want those people to do right. Sure, I want those people to be forgiven. Sure, I even want those people to come to me and say, Michael, forgive me if they wrong me. But let me ask myself a hard question. Have I ever wronged somebody else and forgotten? Are they cataloging it and waiting on me? And would I want the same out of them that I won't demand of myself? Let it go. Yes, if they wish to correct it, if they want to correct it, then be willing to forgive. But don't harbor it. Don't hang on to it. Don't be walking into a church building, for example, where you could go around the room and point it everywhere. You did this to me three years ago, and you said that four years ago, and you did this, and you did that, and you are this, and you are that, so much so that I'm not in fellowship with anybody. Love doesn't do that. No, Paul went on to say, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19 through 23. To the Jew I became a Jew. To the free I became free. To the slave I became a slave. In fact, I have made myself servant to all. If I could learn to do that, how many problems in this world would be solved if people would make themselves servants to everyone around them? We would have a world falling all over itself. To do for the other guy. And man, how much would be done for me in the process. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33, I'm not seeking my own profit. I don't seek that. I seek the profit, notice the phrase, of all. Isn't that what it's about? Whether we're talking again about the election or we're talking about ethnic divisions or whatever we're talking about, church problems. Isn't it the profit of all, the whole, everybody, that should be first in our minds? Not me profiting and everybody else suffering. Lack of respect may begin, and I think it, it, it happens in many people, in many societies. It may begin with a denial of common courtesy. You go back and you read... The most orderly societies, and I'm not talking about the ones where there was a dictator standing on every corner, you know, or his, his minions were standing on every corner to put someone to death if they didn't. I'm talking about a society that, of self-will, of governing themselves, was the most courteous, the best, the, the most orderly societies. And look at the courtesy. Look at the respect for other people. Look at how they addressed one another. Listen to the language in which respect came out of their mouths every time they opened it. We dropped all that. 
We went through a time in this country where respect was old-fashioned and outdated. We stopped respecting each other. We stopped respecting the other guy. We stopped respecting one another. Men stopped respecting women. Women stopped respecting men. Everybody stopped respecting the government. And what we got to was a total lack of respect. We don't even respect ourselves. And so we live like it. At every turn, we live like we have no respect. And it begins with those simple things, but it gets to the point of devaluing, even dehumanizing other people, so that one may indiscriminately just take other people's lives. They're not angry at the other person. They're not something has been done where that person has wronged them. They just don't care. There's just no respect for life. It doesn't matter who dies today, just as long as somebody dies, because I am angry. And that's where we are. Respect. It's an interesting term. You know, in English, it goes back to a Latin word that means to take a second look. To look at someone, but not just to see them on the surface, to take a deeper, merited look. To take a second, to look back. To look longer, to look harder, to be like Jesus on the cross. He looked at that mob, mocking him, jeering at him, spitting on him. He could have looked at that and hated them. We would feel right, justified in doing that. He could have looked at them and wished them all dead. He had the power to kill them all with a mere thought. But he took a second look. A longer look. And he saw people going to hell. And he loved them. And he realized that he was up on the cross dying for them in the first place. That's why I'm here. And he asked his father to forgive him. And I believe that Christians need to be right there with him. If I'm nailed to a cross today, then so be it. And I, I really mean that literally, but figuratively, if I'm nailed to a cross, I need to be right there with them, loving them and asking God to help them, to forgive them, taking a second longer look. Another similar word in English and in the original language is often translated honor or price or precious. And it literally means to place value. Now again, think back to what I just said a moment ago. We, we've taken that value away. We don't honor and prize other people. We just look at them whatever means they are for selfish gain. But it means to place this kind of value. It means to give dignity, to give honor. And so the idea is the Christian places value on other people. He takes that look and he places value on others as Jesus did with his sacrifice. And that is respect. So I ask you again, do people generally respect each other? I'm convinced they do not. I'm not saying they're not exceptions to that. I see them all the time. But I mean in general. Consider the present condition of the world. People say it's the worst it's ever been. Well, I don't know that. I really I mean, it may respectively be better or worse at this 
particular point in history, but regardless, it's not good. Wherever we are, it's not good. And given all the recent violence, the maltreatment, the outright hatred for one another, we're not in a good place. And that's a fact. But we're the ones that have to make the difference. Because Christianity is a religion of mutual respect. We have to show the other guy. We have to attract the guy to the God that told us how to treat other people. Mutual respect. Love one another. Esteem the other one better than yourself. Condescend to someone of low estate. Be kind. Tender-hearted. Be a peacemaker. No prejudice. That's what Jesus stood for. Doing unto others as you would have them to do. You hear me say it often. I love the song. I love the sentiment. People need the Lord. You're here today and you're not a Christian. You need the Lord. You need Jesus in your life. If you believe in Him, that He's the Son of God, and you're willing to make that confession, and today you're willing to change these things, anything, everything in your life, you're willing to do that. You want to do that. Be baptized. Have your sins, everything you've done wrong, washed away. Be a child of God. And maybe you're here today and you you have been baptized, you are a child of God, but you look at yourself and you say, you know, I need a lot of help. I'd like for people here to pray for me. And that's certainly right for us all to do. Please come while we stand and sing.